be reading from Psalm chapter 91, verses 1 through 4. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find his refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Much. Yep. That was a great song, though. We're so thrilled each of you are here today. God bless you for coming and worshiping with us. It is Memorial Day weekend, and tomorrow is a day where our nation pauses and is thankful and remembers those who have defended and sacrificed for our country. And I hope that part of your tomorrow will include a time of doing that. But as we gather as a family today, we also want to take a moment to pause and remember those who have sacrificed for us, our family members, those who care about us, those who have lived their lives in such a way as to be a blessing in our lives as well. You might have Memorial Day traditions for tomorrow, and for some of you, they will include going to a cemetery that marks a grave of one of those very special people in your family heritage or history. And for those, that's a wonderful tradition to decorate that grave and to remember and to pause and think about them but the last thing your loved one would want you to do is tomorrow on a national holiday to spend your whole day sitting looking at a gravestone or a marker instead they would want you to live a life that they raised that's a sacrifice for you to live and so I hope living and family time is a part of that as well but this morning we want to pause as a church family and think about those who have sacrificed, who have given for us as well. We started a family tradition here after COVID. Remember that season when many times we couldn't even have funerals or we couldn't attend them? They, the, the limit on numbers would not allow it. So the year after that, we showed a in-memoriam video to help us have that just a, a brief moment. We, it was so meaningful to us, we have made it a tradition to remember those we've lost that are part of this church family or very close to members in this church family. And just take a moment and remember. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. With patience bear thy cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, be still my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he Yeah. 
shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, in change and tears are past. All safe and blessed. God, we come to you in prayer, thanking you so much for every good and perfect gift that comes down from you. And right now, we thank you and honor you for the gift of these wonderful people in our lives, those who've gone before, the sacrifices made for us, and the difference they've made. And Father, they've followed in your footsteps in ways that if we were to follow, we would be closer to you. And so may this day, this moment, and their lives bring us closer to the one who loves us. Father, may we make that difference in the lives we touch this day and in the days to come as well. So thank you so much for the gift of these wonderful lives. And thanks for the family we have together that helps us walk this day. But more than that, we're thankful for Jesus and the hope that we have in him that we can be forever family in heaven someday. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do you respond when God calls you to go? The story of Jonah is about so much more than a big fish. In Jonah's story, we see our own story, our fear, our reluctance, our defiance. But more than that, we see the power and purposes of God. Despite our wavering faith, God's love remains constant. Let's dive into Jonah's story and discover the depths of God's love. Well, we are in week two of the Jonah story, so we're still in Jonah chapter one, starting in verse four today, and we're going to look at God in the storm. Before we get into the study, though, let me just tell you one simple principle that helps me an awful lot when I study a text, when I study God's Word. It's something I hope you use always. As you read a text, you always want to see what is God saying, and one of the ways to apply that to our lives is to ask the question, what was God saying to the first readers, to the first hearers? What was the point that God was making through an inspired writer? What was he saying to that writer and to those people? And this is very helpful, at least it has been for me as I've studied this text. What was God trying to say through Jonah, the narrative, the story of Jonah? And it's pretty consistent with the message he's always had. God is trying to say for those first hearers that he wants to be known and be made known in this world. And the way he does that is through his children. So he's telling the children, his children, the children of Israel that time, here's how I need you to act. I need you to share who I am with other people so that they will know me. And the, people, the children of Israel were supposed to connect in this story to Jonah. Jonah is the person that is the model of the children of Israel. And 
So the children of God were supposed to be letting others know who God was. They are the insiders. And the message is to get the message of God to the outsiders. And so that's what he was trying to do. So the story is very simply addressed to God's people, the people of God, concerning the people of the world. So as you listen to the story, just remember Jonah is the insider. And as we listen to the story, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are we supposed to connect with? Not the sailors, but with Jonah. And what is God trying to say to us? And ask ourselves the question, do we just talk religion or do we practice it? Are we people that in an emergency can be counted on to help but also counted on to pray? Do, do I care about knowing God better and making him known to those who are outside of his family, those that do not know him? Because God's purpose is and always has been to be known and to be made known. And so Jonah is being sent to the Gentiles, to those outside. And he is totally missing the point at this, in this place in the story. The Apostle Paul was another one that God would later send to the Gentiles. In fact, he spent an awful lot of time getting Paul ready. That he would take that wonderful news of Jesus and share it with the Gentile world, those who were outside the Jewish faith. Out, they were not Jews. Those were on the outside. And he got it. Remember the famous sermon in Acts 17 when he's talking to the people in Athens? And he says this, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any, any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. He's trying to help those who don't know God know him and say it's not that hard to find. God's pretty obvious. And in the story of Jonah, the same is true, but Jonah's having nothing to do with it. In fact, last week, as we left Jonah in verse 3, he's fleeing from God. First part of that text says he was running away from the Lord. And now we pick it up, and God in the storm. Verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. I like that. The ship just talked back to him. It's basically saying to the, to the sailors, You don't do something. I, I'm not, I can't hold together. This storm's too much. I'm about to fall to pieces. And so, but what God does, Jonah's running away. He's freeing from the Lord. And God sent a great wind. By the way, that just doesn't say it loud enough or clearly enough. In the Hebrew language, that word sent is, is a stronger word than, than at least that communicates to me. It, could, it has been, it could be interpreted, interpreted as hurled. A storm. You remember the story of King Saul and David when David's playing for him and King Saul gets very up, the, the, the spirit comes on him, the, the bad spirit comes on him. 1 Samuel 18, Saul had a spear in his hand and he sent it at David. No, he hurled it. It's the same word. He hurled it at David, saying to himself, I will pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. That's throwing with a purpose. I mean, you hurl a, a uh, javelin. You might throw a dart or send it. But, I mean, he, he, had it, he sent it on a purpose. Jonah didn't get it, but the sailors did. They knew there was something about this storm. It had been hurled at them, and they were very afraid. 
All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. I mean, God sent that storm with a purpose, and the sailors got it. They knew there was something different about this storm. This isn't a normal storm. I mean, they've seen, they've seen storms. This was not anything they've seen before. And so God hurled the storm at them, and they went hurling on purpose too. They started throwing the cargo over per, overboard. I mean, with a purpose. They, they knew what they were doing, and they were sending it to see if they could save the ship. I mean, there's a lot of sending in this story. The Lord sent the, a great wind. They threw the cargo, or the Lord hurled a storm at them. They hurled the cargo, and later on, the same word, they threw Jonah. They hurled him overboard. There's a lot of hurling in this story. In fact, I don't get to cover it today. Randy will cover it later, but the big fish also hurled. <laughs> Threw him up on the shore. You know, I, that whole slide was just so I could give you that one line. So thank you for a little chuckle. You know, I've had way too much fun with that. Back to the story, though. There is purpose in this. God is in the storm. And the sailors are doing everything within their power to find salvation from the storm. But where is Jonah? But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Where's Jonah? Sleeping in the storm. It's pretty curious to me that the outsiders, I mean, the sailors had prayed to all their gods, and it sounds like the sailors from a lot of different countries and had a lot of pagan idols. They had prayed, and now they sent the captain below to quiz Jonah. And it's curious to me that the outsiders, the one who don't know God, asked this question. Here's what I would expect the captain to say. Jonah, get up out of that bed and get to busy. Bell water. You know, help us strap things down. Don't sleep. Help. And that's not what he said. The one who does not know God says, why are you sleeping? Get up and, and pray. And pray. You know, there was a, another time in a storm. You can't help but think about it. Remember that, that storm that came up with Jesus and the disciples in the boat? And Jesus also slept on a cushion. Mark 4, 37. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I mean, how could Jesus sleep in a storm? Well, I can tell you how. Because he had great confidence in God. He was in his father's arms, and he knew the father's purpose and plan for his life. And it was not to die at sea. And so Jesus, with all calmness, could sleep in the middle of a storm, safe in the arms of God. How do you sleep in a storm? Put yourselves in the arms of your loving God and find peace and rest. And that's exactly what Jesus did. So Jonah's sleeping. Except it's a different kind of sleep, isn't it? <laughs> it's totally different than what Jesus had. I mean, he is sleeping because he is worn out. How can you sleep in a storm? 
Jonah, here's how. You try fighting God. You try going the opposite direction of God and getting away from God's purpose and plan for your life. That is wearing out work emotionally and physically. And Jonah was drained. And he passed out. He slept. I mean, how can you do that? Working against God is wearing out work. There's great futility in trying to stop God. I think the old saying is spitting into the wind or something like that. The sailors were worn out from throwing cargo overboard and trying to save the ship. So they sent the captain to Jonah, and they find Jonah worn out from trying to flee from God and his purpose. The tiredest man on the ship that day was Jonah. So the storm continues to get bad, and the sailors say to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Basically, what they're doing is asking God. In the Bible, you, might, you hear about casting lots several different times. Proverbs 16, says, The lot is cast into the lap, but it is, its every decision is from the Lord. You remember the story of uh, Judas not being an apostle anymore, and the disciples getting together, and they want to find his replacement and they identify two men two good men but they don't know how to decide among the two and in Acts 1 where that story is told it says they cast you know they they say Lord you know everyone's heart show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this ministry they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias they allow God to speak and so what the, what the sailors are basically doing is they've been praying to God that they don't know and now they say, God, who we really don't know, would you talk to us? Tell us who's responsible for this calamity. They turn to God and they allow him to speak. And the lots fall on Jonah. So they're just guys on the outside. They're the enemy. They're the people we don't like. So they picked up Jonah and threw him off the boat, right? Fix that. God told us it's you, so we're getting rid of you. And yet they don't. So they asked Jonah, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? <laughs> I mean, there's a storm howling. And yet they take the time to ask him. Ask these questions. And finally, the prophet of God speaks of the one and only God and here's what Jonah says I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land a couple of things first of all he talks about God but he doesn't ever talk to God in this portion of the story a little ironic right and yet the sailors hear his words and they are amazed I worship the Lord the God of heaven, who is created everything, including the sea and the dry land. And that proclamation of the God who is responsible for this terrifies the sailors. This terrified them, and they ask, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them. I mean, Jonah is a sad witness or prophet of the Lord. He says, I worship 
the Lord, the God of heaven, the one who created everything, the sea and the dry land. And you know what? I'm going to run from that guy. I'm leaving. And they were terrified. You have a God like that, and you're going to walk away? Pretty good question. Why would we walk away from God? And brothers and sisters, we understand that God loves us. In fact, that's why he made us, to love us. And he wants us to love him back, not just today and tomorrow, but forever. So he created us and he gave us the ability to love him back if we so choose. Not force, but we could. But when giving us that choice, before he made the first man, he knew that we would choose sin. And imperfection cannot dwell with perfection. And so if we so choose to love him back and live with him, he had to find a way to make it when we had sinned to become perfect again. And the only way he could was to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for us as a sacrifice, to justify us, to make us whole and pure again so that we could be with him forever in heaven. And he made that sacrifice. What a loving God. He created us. He loved us. He figured out the way to recreate us so that we could be with him forever. And I think I walk away, God. What a horrifying thought. And yet we walk away. We fight against his purpose and his will. And these sailors were terrified that the God who created the sea and the dry lands, the storm, why would you try to fight against his will? What have you done? And Jonah's actions were not just impacting Jonah. It was impacting those around him. This is always true. When we try to fight God's will in our lives, it impacts us, but it has an impact on others as well. You've seen this in the church. When one of us stumbles and falls, it doesn't just impact us. It impacts the family. Text says the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? They were anxious. The storm's getting worse and worse. And it was your actions that brought the storm. So what actions can we take to bring back the calm? And God's prophet speaks again. Here's a question for you. Is he prophesying God's words, or are these Jonah's? I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't even think it matters that much. My opinion, this is Jonah talking, not God. But here's what Jonah says. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it, that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So they picked him up and threw him in the sea. Absolutely not, not yet. Just throw me in the sea. You know what? I think it's from Jonah for this reason. I can come up with other options. I mean, these guys are being nice to you. You just told them it's your fault. They didn't throw you in the sea. Instead, they ask you, ask you questions. What's going on here? How did you get here? Why make them become murderers? Couldn't Jonah have just jumped off? It's your fault, Jonah. Better yet, I got another one. If these guys, if he cared at all about them, which he doesn't, obviously, why didn't he just say, okay, God, just turn the ship around, sailors. 
we head back and we'll have calm. I'll do what God wanted me to do. And yet he says, throw me overboard and it'll become calm. And so the sailors did. No. Verse 13, instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. I mean, these guys don't want to kill anybody. And so they just try harder. The the Hebrew really gives the thought of they did their best. They put their backs into it. They, They reached down deep. They were totally worn out, and yet they found enough strength so they wouldn't have to kill a person, to, do it, to give an effort greater than the effort they'd given before. They did everything within their power to row back. And what did God do? You can't fight against the will of God. The storm became worse and worse. It intensifies. And in the story, in this text, you see that intensity of the storm continue to get greater and greater. It starts out a violent storm arose. Then it talks about how the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And now they try to row against God's will, and the sea grew even wilder than before. There were no options. Blocking God's will, fighting God's will, does not bring peace in the storm. And so what do they do? These are the, the sailors, the pagan sailors who worship idols that they've been praying to at the beginning. They pray again. Only this time, they pray to Yahweh, the Lord. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Even they saw the power of the Creator, God Almighty, at work that day. And they didn't want to kill anybody, so they prayed. They prayed to God. I've prayed to God after I've done bad things before, but they're praying in advance for forgiveness. They're very mindful of their actions. And God answers that prayer not in words, but in actions himself. Because they did not die. Instead, tranquility descended upon the Mediterranean. Verse 15, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. We've come full circle. At the beginning of this section, the Lord hurled a violent storm. And now the sailors hurled Jonah into the sea to calm the storm. And they greatly feared the Lord. I mean, they were amazed. You know, it's one thing to have a violent storm like this, a storm they've never seen before. I mean, waves, I don't know how high. It reminds me of the the storm that Jesus was in. The waves then were so high that it was crashing over the boat. It was about to swamp the boat. The boat would have been, you know, set up maybe this high, Big, big waves. And Jesus wakes up from his restful sleep, and they say, don't you care about us? And of course Jesus cares. And Jesus prays, peace be still. And the waves that were so high that they were crashing over a boat went calm. Listen, I hope to go swimming over this weekend. And when I get in the pool, I'm going to make some waves. This big old body can make some waves. But I sure can't make any calm. 
the power of a creator that can take waves so large that it's about to tear a ship apart and in a moment bring glass and calm to the waters wow Jesus did it God does it here and it even brought more fear into those men verse 16 at this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him do you see the the steady intensity and change in their fear I mean it starts out they were afraid then they were terrified and now they greatly feared the Lord I mean they were afraid of the storm and they were terrified when they realized the storm had come from God but they when they realized what God can do in the storm they feared the Lord and they paused and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him they are not seeking anything from God here they're just seeking God I mean sometimes when God calms the storm for me God I'll do this for you they didn't wait till they got home they offer sacrifices right then and right there and they made vows it points to their gratitude for deliverance and it included a promise to serve God what a powerful story all right so I'm about out of time so let me wrap it up I'm just going to make a few observations there's so many things that we could observe out of this story I mean it's a powerful powerful story and I know you're thinking of things right now that are more impactful than what I'm going to share but here's just two or three things from me first of all I want to talk to you about the source of the storm the source of this storm for Jonah is God God caused the storm and Kent I've already told you that I should identify myself with Jonah I'm, I'm on the inside and God wants to be known and be made known to those who are on the outside and so how am I going to treat people I don't like and I don't care about don't really want as a part of the family how, how am I going to treat those outsiders that's the whole point Jonah says he's not going to do that and so for him God brings a storm because he's running away from God. He's trying to flee God. So what about the storms in my life today, right now? What's the source of my storms? Because many of us think that God is, sends a storm to get me back for my actions. And I have to admit, I've thought that many, many times in my life. I still have a tendency to go there first. There's been some storms that I looked at and I remembered some of the things I had done I was going yeah that one's yeah that's fair God that's 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 I, I get it I get it my actions were such that that's a yeah listen I don't think in fact I know I am convicted that God does not send storms to get you back for what you're doing or what you've done now, I, I don't have time to go into detail or, or that could be a long study on our own but I believe with conviction that God's never going to try and get you back for the wrong things that you've done but I do believe he's going to get you back from the things you have done or you are doing or the direction you're going so what's the source of the storms for me is it from God or is it from my own bad decisions 
Or is it just because I live in a broken world? Listen, it's, it's important to think about the source. But what I want you to focus on, because storms are brewing, or storms are coming, or you're, you're in over your head and about to break apart, wherever you might be now, just know that the storms of life, God will use them to get you back from the direction you might be going that is away from Him. He will use the storm to turn you, choose to turn you back to God and to see Him at work in your life. Don't throw it all away. Turn back to God. And then use that storm, this storm, to know God better and to make God known in this world to others. Let me say, whatever the source, God's purpose will always be to be known by you and to be made known by you to others. That's God's purpose in the storm. I mean, Jonah used the words, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He said those words, and he was right, but he did nothing to live those words in his life or to make those words be convictions in the men that he was talking to. He talked about God, but in this part of the story, he never talks to God, not once. I'm afraid too many of us, children of God, brothers and sisters, we got the religious language down. And we can talk to others about God, but we aren't talking to God. We need to know God and use the storms of life to make Him known. The Apostle Paul was in a, in a similar storm once with sailors on the outside who didn't know God. You can read about the story in Acts chapter 27. But he shows us the counteraction to Jonas. Jonah was sent to the Gentiles, to those who didn't know God, and he didn't want to go. Paul is sent to the Gentiles. He was an insider too, a Jewish. Sent to the Gentiles. God gets him ready, and he goes. And so here's how a person who is following the will of God handles a storm. Here's what, what Paul did. Acts 27, verses 22 through 25. He gets the, the, the sailors together and says... I urge you to keep up your courage. Imagine if Jonah had done this. Keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. He says, last night an angel of the Lord came to me. And he made it clear to me that I was going to make it to Rome. And I trust God. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that will happen just as he told me. What do you do in a storm? Have that kind of faith. Talk to others about this God that you serve. What to do in the storm? Well, Jonah's not a very good model, but the sailors were pretty good. Sailors three times prayed. Jonah's the only one in this part of the story that doesn't pray. God's message to his children today, stop running away from God and cry out to God to the God who loves you and take God's message to those who don't know him stop running without the power of God behind you the God who created you and instead run towards God 
So brothers and sisters, I think that's the call today. Are you fighting God? Fighting his will for your life? Don't just throw it in, jump overboard. Turn. And in the turning, know God better and make him known to all who witness the storm. And friend, if you're watching the storms of life sail by and you've tried everything in your power to find peace and calm, I hope you found the God of the storm in the storm. And you can find that peace. God loves you. He wants you to know him. And he wants to be known by you. And he did sacrifice his son. Maybe it's time that you gave your life for him. If you've been studying and believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, won't you confess his name? Make him Lord of your life and be baptized this day. So friend or brother and sister, if God's spoken to you today and you need to respond, we have some shepherds and their wives that are going to be in the parlor. If you'd like to go visit with them, they would love to visit with you and they'll spend some time privately praying with you. Or if you want to be restored today, won't you come home? If you need to respond and would like to do so publicly, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing?